Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I'm joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how's it going? Hey, oh, it's going well. Happy to be here. Excellent. I'm also joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how goes? I'm going doing good, Henry. It's freaking hot down here in SoCal. Even right now, as we're recording this late at night, it is like 80. Um, but I'm happy to be here talking with you guys. Excellent, excellent. Uh, yeah, it's summertime. Today is July 14th. 2023 and today we're gonna talk some animated movies so something we don't talk about too much on this podcast um but uh it's definitely something we all enjoy and uh we have three of our favorites here to talk about um yeah, I can name them right now. The three animated movies we're going to talk about today are Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, and Invader Zim Enter the Florpus. Three vastly different movies. So this should be a pretty <laughs> interesting conversation. Yeah. Um, so with the animated movie theme today kind of begs the question why um this is technically a comics podcast um but uh you know right now i think animated movies are in the general consciousness right earlier in the year we saw the super mario brothers movie become a huge hit at the box office we saw Across the Spider-Verse become a huge hit at the box office. So animated movies are kind of becoming the thing, right? Perhaps the future of Hollywood. Hollywood is kind of in disarray at the moment with the writer's strike and the actor's strike. And um, yeah, animated movies could be the wave of the future. Yeah, so I think it's a... It's a timely topic, and uh, I think we got some good picks here. So we got three full feature-length movies to discuss. Let's get right into it. So earlier we were talking a little bit about what order should we cover these in, and the consensus was we should cover them in the order we would recommend watching them. If you had like a triple-header animated movie night where you're where you would watch these three, what order would you watch them? And um, yeah, the general feeling was that you would start with the the more thoughtful, thought-provoking, artistic vision that is Pinocchio, and you would end with the wild adventure romp that is Invader Zim. Yeah, uh, so... We're going to do just that. We're going to do it in that order. Uh, so first up, Pinocchio. Uh, just real quick, I thought I'd, re I'd read the, the brief description of the movie from IMDb. 
It is described as a father's wish magically brings a wooden boy to life in Italy, giving him a chance to care for the child. And that is Pinocchio. And this one is Porfirio's pick. So Porfirio, why don't you tell us why you chose this particular film? Yeah, so, you know, I think I've mentioned so many times in this podcast, it's no secret that my one of my favorite directors is Guillermo del Toro. And this movie is no exception. Like, this movie came out on Netflix last year, December of 2022. And I instantly fell in love with this movie when I first watched it. I feel like it doesn't get enough, like... Uh, like a lot of people haven't seen it, even though it's really good. And you guys hadn't seen it, so that's why I recommended it. Um, and like you said, it's just a reimagination of the classic Pinocchio tale. Um, but if you expect like a version where like we know like from the Disney one, it is totally different, and you're not gonna get that. <laughs> which is why I like. Which is why I like this this movie and recommended this one um, but Excellent. yeah be before i hear you guys' thoughts like yeah like you said this it's our three picks have three different animation styles this pinocchio um was used uh slow motion mm -hmm. um or, or uh, st uh, stop motion stop motion yeah. stop motion and so, you know, that means like using like little clay figurines and just making a movie out of like using, um, you know, like small movements of each figure. And so there's a documentary special about behind the scenes to this film. I believe the film took about like, oh my gosh, don't quote me on this, but like 15 years to make or something like that. Oh wow! And um, that not not from just the filming, but like just like getting everything like off the ground production, script writing, all that kind of stuff. Um, but like like you said, Henry, just different animation, and I feel like we don't see this kind of animation nowadays in movies. Um, so that was another reason why I recommended it. So. Um, that was the one I gave you guys to watch, and you guys both watched it. <laughs> and I want to hear your guys' thoughts. <laughs> cool. Um, so unlike our typical movie review format, uh, we don't have to wait to the end to give our ratings. So uh, why don't we just give the ratings kind of up front? What would you rate uh, Pinocchio, Perfurio? Oh, definitely a five. Five out of five. I thought it was very... Um, sweet and symbolic and the storyline was good the graphics were good it was just like any like aspect of what makes a good movie is why i i think this movie just knocked it out of the park so five out of five excellent um i can go next so yeah with this format we do where like we have a movie that we kind of share to the rest. There's always 
a good chance that the recommender is going to have a higher rating than the people who <laughs> he's sharing it with, right? Um, so that in mind, you know, we we should uh, we shouldn't get all fired up if 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 our our picks get shot down a bit, right? <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm gonna like piss all over Pinocchio. You know, I'm just saying that uh, I'm giving it a bit of a lower rating. I am recommending it. I'm I'm giving it a three star rating. And uh, yeah, here's my take. So yeah, I hadn't seen this before like a week ago or so um, and really didn't know much of anything about it. So it was pretty interesting checking it out because this movie looks like nothing I've ever seen before. Uh, you were alluding to it, Preferio, but the stop motion animation is really amazing it's it's a beautiful movie to look at no question um i didn't even know it was stop motion till later till after i saw the movie i thought it was just really fucking good cgi right but then later i found out it was actual real stop motion and it just made me appreciate it a lot because man like the work that must have gone into it just like incredible so the look was was on point absolutely um let's see with with the story so uh i thought the movie started off a little bit slow and i think a big reason was i don't know about you guys but i i found pinocchio really annoying in the beginning of the movie (laughs) And, and like when i say beginning like the first full act at least he was really annoying. And, um, you know, I think he was purposefully annoying, but nevertheless annoying. And I was like not rooting for him. And like, I couldn't really care less, could not care less about him. Um, and I was just thinking, dude, like Geppetto should just chop this dude up for firewood or something. Like, <laughs> you got to get rid of this guy. Like, he was just, he was just, he was destroying his house and he was just, he was just like screwing up his life big time. Right. Um, of course. The Pinocchio character did grow on me. And ultimately, he makes this like big sacrifice at the end. Oh, we didn't give the spoiler alert earlier. So um, let's give that now. Spoiler alert for all three movies. We'll, we'll get into plot points and whatnot. But yeah, Pinocchio makes this great sacrifice at the end where he essentially sacrifices his own immortality in order to save um his father figure Geppetto who he loves dearly right and it's it's a very touching moment no question no question so yeah Pinocchio did start off annoying to me but he did growing grow on me and um his character arc really was touching in the end I thought um and yeah it's interesting prefer you mentioned how um, you wanted to recommend this because it's a Guillermo del Toro movie and um, I love his work too so I- I'm glad I got to check this one out also and I would add this even though it's an animated movie and um, it is you know quite different from say Blade 2 or Shape of Water or Pacific Rim you name it um it does still still feel like a del Toro movie, right? It has like 
the dark aesthetics. It has like these monster themes. Like Del Toro is notorious for always including monsters in his movies, right? So you're probably thinking, well, this is Pinocchio. How how does a monster fit in, right? But in this movie, Pinocchio himself is the monster, right? Uh, so that's kind of a interesting twist. Whereas like the original Disney animation, Pinocchio isn't a monster, right? But here he is. Like he, people are are afraid of him, and um, I think I think you're kind of talking about this earlier, Perfirio. But it's kind of a real reaction. If there's a a wooden puppet that came to life in real life, people would be fucking scared of it, right? They wouldn't be embracing it. They wouldn't think he's he's cute and cuddly and whatnot, right? Uh, so, yeah, uh, it, it's cool that Del Toro continues this uh, like monster theme in his movie in his movies um last little tidbit um i thought it was a little bit long like uh you know a two-hour movie by today's standards is not a long movie but animated movies do tend to be a little shorter for example mask of the phantasm and enter the florpus are very short movies um this one did feel a little long um i i could have done without that whole like war sequence like it felt very like similar territory as that part where he had to do the puppet show. He was like trapped by like an overbearing boss doing a puppet show. And then he was trapped like doing like being a soldier in training and stuff. It just felt like the same thing. And I I thought like, ah, eh, like let's, let's move on. Um, so I, I felt they could have dropped that part. Um, but otherwise, you know, I, like I mentioned, I thought in the movie, ended pretty strong and um yeah i think just just on the look of it alone this this is a movie to behold you gotta see it it's it's beautiful yeah it, it's really like eye candy right um so yeah three out of five stars how about you christian yeah so um i i think i also go with a three out of five um uh, i think uh uh, I'm going to echo a lot of, I think, Henry's sent sentiments that he said. Um, by the way, the start, how Pinocchio is a character that kind of like, yeah, you're like, all right, this guy's kind of annoying, especially when you spend time with uh, the Carlo, the perfect child at the beginning. I actually did like how they kind of started with that. You kind of see you, you get really into Geppetto and there's a lot more Geppetto in this movie. See what he loses. It's really sad um and then kind of see where pinocchio fits in later and how pinocchio is a character it's like ah like you could see geppetto pulling his hair out but towards the end he grows on you just like pinocchio probably grows on geppetto to where you really you are rooting for him at the end and yeah i just want to double down on the animation the animation is uh, one of a kind. It's something you really don't see anymore with, yeah. with uh, in the world of CGI that we have today. And so, just the just the level of craftsmanship and the passion that uh, Del Toro really put into this is just something to behold. I think that's worth the price of admission alone. Is yeah. really just watching this beautiful animation and um, like. Um, but I do also think, yeah, I wasn't as big of a fan of the Nazis. Um, I think that I really liked them in the background at the beginning. 
how when Carlo dies um, or uh, how you just kind of randomly see uh, throughout like the first and second act, um, like the occasional fascist Italy um, and the World War II setting. But I think when they kind of really get to the Nazi camp, I did check out a bit. But I think the film does really turn around when they kind of get back to the whale. I also think because I also kind of checked out because that's also the part that Geppetto is not there. I really like Geppetto in this mm. movie. And he gets swallowed by the the sea monster uh, about halfway in. And then you just really don't see him until Pinocchio also gets swallowed by the sea monster. Um, uh, let's see. I will say like with the with the music is that I did like the music. I'm not a real big musical person. I, I'm not really into musicals. I liked it. It's it's so hard, though. Like, I feel bad saying it's like a negative because I did like it. But because I think of the, the original um, movie is so iconic, it's so well made. It's kind of one of Disney's like original masterpiece movies. You know, like, it's like all I got to do is like, like the da 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 has kind of become the Disney theme, you know, when you wish upon a star because mm-hmm. it's so iconic. And then mm-hmm. I can even like just say like a few a few like key words and you probably remember the tune like like give a little whistle and you could probably think of the song in your head because the music in the original is just so it's so well done. And I don't think this one kind of reaches that level. But I think the voices are well done. I think I, I think in its own right, in its own world, it, it works. And I did I did really enjoy it. Um, and like I I was really thinking about the Nazi section. Maybe I'll get your guys' intent on this. Why they went for that instead of Pleasure Island, which is where the original went, where Pinocchio smokes cigars and turns into a donkey. And so <laughs> uh, I've. I was looking around because I wasn't as into that. And I think the idea was that um, the idea is like Pinocchio is always a story about morality. And I think the original is all about kind of like this, like obedience, you know, go to school, um, don't join the circus. And like kind of Pinocchio wants to forge his own path, but he kind of gets in with the wrong crowd. And that's, that's why he starts telling lies. He starts smoking. He turns into a donkey, you know, because because he hangs up the wrong crowd and he didn't stay in school. He didn't listen to his dad. Whereas, excuse me, this one, Pinocchio still kind of does that. But with the presence of the Nazis in there, well, they're evil. We, we you know. We don't like them. So, but I think with fascism, it's all about the idea of obedience and how, and I think Pinocchio kind of becomes the real boy. He really kind of gains it by making his own decisions, but kind of from a more grounded uh, internal sense of morality rather than kind of what's being told to him from others, you know? It's more of like an individual sense of morality is kind of what makes kind of what makes him the real boy rather than, you know, listening to Geppetto and go to school like the last one. Um, maybe I'm simplifying a little bit too much, 
but that's kind of what I've, t that's kind of how I, the take I've seen. And that's kind of, once I thought of it, I think that, that made me kind of think about the movie a little more, maybe in a bit of a different way. Well, I, but yeah. I, I like that take Christian. Uh, mm -hmm. You could almost uh, like, teach a film class with that take on Pinocchio. Yeah, like the two different versions of it. <laughs> so there is a lot here and there's a lot here to like. We can really I could really see why you gave this a 5. And I think I can imagine while well, I give this a 3 now on my first first viewing, also kind of with the first one kind of in in mind as I'm watching this one and how much I loved that original version as a kid. I can imagine myself as an adult because this is like a very adult dark kind of movie with the subject matter not for kids i can't imagine like man, maybe kids would like it but uh this definitely looked like it was made for adults but i can imagine myself coming back to this movie later and giving it a higher grade very cool uh just yeah. real quick uh um, I, my my take on the whole fascism thing is much more simplified than your very thought mm -hmm. thought out uh, film school version of it. But I, I think it's just Del Toro. He loves to shit on fascists in his movies. <laughs> it seems like a ton of his movies have like Nazis or you know Mussolini or whatever. You know, um, so I think he just wanted to kind of continue those those themes. Anyhow, mm -hmm. I prefer you had some. I I just think it kind of just. Yeah, you know, because it was really like evident, like the whole like uh Nazism throughout the film. I mean, like the first opening scene, like his son is Carlos. Carlo is killed because of the war. You know, the bombing. Um, and then you know Mussolini attends one of the puppets puppet shows, and and then again, like the only reason um Pinocchio goes to school is because of the the Nazi general who's like, oh, like he needs to learn discipline and it has to go there. So I just feel like it just was, it made sense for him to go to a um, Nazi camp, you know, especially because, you know, this is Italy during World War II um, and like learn discipline. But I agree with the point that you made, Christian, about like, Pinocchio is about like understanding morals and not giving to like you know because I think like one of the lines the general says is like oh um Pinocchio's too much of an independent thinker thinker and we can't have that you know and so that's like very that's like the whole reason why Pinocchio stands up to to him at the camp because he's like oh like or even like um helps like his son question that like why this war had to exist why this like why can't we just like be together instead of having like this like survival of the fittest kind of um mentality you know oh i had a question for i both of you really um so i alluded to the fact that there's a moment where Pinocchio sacrifices his own immortality to save Geppetto. But at the end of the movie, it's not entirely clear, like, his status in terms of his immortality, right? Do you think at the end of the movie, 
Pinocchio has indeed lost his immortality or is he still immortal? I think it's kind of open-ended, but I was curious what you guys think. I think I, I think Pinocchio <laughs> I think Pinocchio lost his sense of immortality, but um he can't like he he's not like a typical like flesh and bone kind of body where but he's definitely like you know like wooden so he can like live longer than like a human body mm -hmm. um but he still has the ability to like you know be chopped up or burnt or shot or whatever like how he like how he dies throughout the movie right uh, uh, like yeah i was thinking it'd be like kind of like an elf from lord of the rings where um at the end where he could if he dies he dies and that's it but he would live either an extended life or a very long life you know as long as he didn't die he would live forever okay mm -hmm. that uh, was i guess my take like it didn't seem like he was really growing at the end so he probably stayed in his singular body mm -hmm. yeah just... I, I i agree with both of you like it, it seemed like uh he wasn't aging at all at the end right uh but it did imply that if he was killed he would not be resurrected like he had been throughout the movie right so okay mm -hmm. we're all on the same page there <laughs> all right <laughs> what one thing i liked about the film I think like you had alluded this to Henry is like the, the, the monsters that uh, Guillermo del Toro uses. Like, you yeah. know, like you said, he's, he's notorious for using monsters and this was no exception. Like there's no fairy godmother. There's like this like right. creepy, like um, spiritual celestial being who actually like makes um, gifts life to Pinocchio. Right. And then there's like a, uh, a counter creature to that which is like this like i don't know i, I want to say like goddess of death kind of creature mm -hmm. you know and i feel like I, I think that's another like aspect of why i like the film is like there's like this very beautiful narrative of like life and death you know like um that is immor immortality like all like promising as it's as people believe it to be and want to seek it or is there like beauty and just like living life and then like finding peace at death you know like like yes it's like the end whatever but there's also I think like I think like what Gamer the Turtle wants to capture is like there's also beauty in it because then you could like celebrate it and um be able to like have like peace of it and I, I think this is like a common thing i feel like in a lot of his work but the fact that it was using pinocchio like again like of the story of like immortality and everything i think it's just a another like beautiful way to look at how the story of life death immortality is talked about Right on. Great take, Proferio. And just to uh, put a bow on it, uh, the character you're referring to as being a goddess of death 
type character is voiced by none other than Kate Blanchett, who played Hela, the goddess of death, in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> okay, so we do have two more movies to cover, so let's keep it moving. Our next movie is Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, from 1993. So it is the 30th anniversary of this movie so i'm glad we get to talk about it talk about it here right now this one was christian's pick so christian why don't you tell us what you would rate this one and why you chose this chose this particular film yeah so yeah batman mask of the phantasm i'd say this is like the cult favorite batman movie uh we went to a panel of this uh, during WonderCon, and a lot of people, even then, around there, were saying, talking about how this is still their favorite Batman movie. After all these years, after all these iterations, you know, even with The Dark Knight, they still latch on to this animated movie from 1993. It really has a following, and it, yeah, and it's the 30th anniversary. That's actually not why I picked it. I was just kind of rewatching a bunch of Justice League Unlimited lately as well. And it'd be also great to talk about uh, um, Kevin Conroy, of course, rest in peace. The, the great Batman voice that I always hear in my head when I read. And so um, I guess I'll go a little bit more into my history of behind this movie and um, talk about it before I give my rating. Sure. So, like, you know, I grew up watching Batman the Animated Series, especially uh, when it came out, came to Cartoon Network, kind of in the later 90s, early 2000s for reruns. And I would, uh, here's some great little nostalgia. I used to love picking up Batman movies from Blockbuster Video. And so I picked this one up as a kid, rented it on VHS. And watched as a kid, and to be honest, when I was a kid, I wasn't as into it. Um, I loved the other Batman movies a lot more. The one where he fights Mister Freeze, the one where he crosses over with Superman. Those had a little more action, but there was something about this movie that just kind of stayed with me. The movie was much more somber. There was a lot of romance. Uh, Robin wasn't in it. It was much. It felt like a much darker movie than I think I was expecting as a kid. Whereas the other ones, you know, they had Robin, they had more action, they had the big, the big villain plot. Whereas this one, and and so this was a lot different. And so I remember not caring for it as much. I didn't really rewatch it nearly as much as the other ones. But I, it's something I kind of stuck in my mind, and I kind of came back to it over and over and over. Just every few years, I'd kind of get this weird um, inkling to watch it. I kind of just got a little craving for it to revisit it and come back to it and every time i watched it i liked it a little more more and more and more and more over you know over all these years and so i think seeing it now there's kind of a level of appreciation i have for it and it and it does also kind of remind me of uh all all the uh, great memories i had watching Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill and the and the crew growing up watching the Batman the animated series like you know a hallmark of my childhood. So 
Um, I'll let you guys kind of get into this movie a little more, but that's just kind of my personal history with it. I think like now it's like, I really want to like, I probably would say it's a five out of five for all this time, even though the movie kind of gets older and shows more of its age. There's also kind of, you kind of like, you have a lot of nostalgia for it. And there's like a kind of a piece of you that you kind of see when you watch it with, with a movie, you kind of like. Kind of, you know, that kind of reminds me of the, those times. So yeah, awesome. that's that's my take on Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. So, what did you guys think of it? Seeing it now in 2023. All right. Oh, real quick. Oh, Christian, you gave it. You're giving it a five, right? Five out of yeah. Five. I'll give okay. it a five. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Perfurio, what's your take on this movie? Uh, let's see. I feel like I have to give it a four out of five. Um, you know, I didn't grow up with Batman like you did, Christian. I watched the animated series here and there. I remember, yeah, like this popping up sometime when I was a kid, and I really didn't care for it either. And it wasn't until, yeah, like I was older that I watched it, and I grew a little bit of appreciation, but um, re-watching it right now, like when for you know since you had recommended to to it to us um it was really good i understand yeah like why 30 years later this is still a lot of people's um favorite batman movie um i think a lot of it is like the graphics the animation is just you know i feel like really fun and different than what you were what you were seeing back in the 90s you know everything so you had like the x-men bright and cartoons and stuff and this was very like just all black and red you know and this just stands out um i love the yeah like the the colors that they used and i guess what also just really stuck stuck out with me is just like the 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 storyline again like batman kind of conflicting like whether or not he wants to stay batman whether he wants to be with um what's her name andrea andrea, andrea beaumont whether he wants to stay with her and then he kind of like even conflicting about like whether or not when is it enough to kind of decide to either be Batman or be with Andrea, you know, he's always like going conflicting back and forth with himself. And I think essentially that's like what makes Batman Batman is like, he, he's so like fucking stubborn and he doesn't care about like the bruises to his body or doesn't really care about like the people uh, that are affected around him. As long as he's like, doing the right thing he's gonna keep doing it and um so essentially i think that's why i like this movie because it's batman you know it's it's the root of what makes batman so uh like why psychologists love having the psychology of batman panels at comic cons you know and look no further than this movie the only reason I gave it like one star down is I guess like it it's so complex and hard to understand as a kid 
that that's why maybe I feel like it it goes over your head really fast. And maybe, like I say, even because I didn't watch this until like uh, a lot later, like even that still went over my head. So I feel like you have to watch this a few times to understand like what this film is actually trying to tell, you know? So I think that's the only reason why I give it stars because you have to watch it a few times to like get like what the story writers are trying to grasp at with this Batman character. But other than that, it's a fucking awesome movie to check out. And whether you're a Marvel DC fan, fucking check out this movie. It's a really, really good. Right on. And just devil ad devil's advocate to you, Perfurio. I I would question, you know, you mentioned, oh, the movie might be a little complicated for kids. Is this movie made for kids? <laughs> Christian himself said as a kid, he didn't really like the movie a whole lot. And it kind of grew on him as he as he got older. And I think a lot of the appeal of this movie is that it's more adult oriented than a lot of the animated stuff that was going on at the time. Right. So just something to think about. Right. OK. Uh, so here my take. Um, oh, I didn't read the little synopsis for this one. So let me, let me read it now from IMDb. Batman is wrongly implicated in a series of murders of mob bosses actually done by a new vigilante assassin. Uh, so here we go. Batman Mask of the Phantasm. So before I get into my rating and review, um, I, I I do have a question for you, Christian. Like, as I was watching this movie, I was thinking, who the hell is Andrea Beaumont? I had never heard of this character <laughs> Um, but here she is absolutely vital to the Batman character and origin. Um, has she ever appeared in comics? Is she in the animated series at all outside of this movie? Who is no. this character? Um, Andrea Beaumont is pretty much only in this movie. She appears maybe one. She appears one other time that I can think of in all of like the DC animated universe. Um, her and the Phantasm. The Phantasm might have shown up in a comic. I've never seen Andrea or the Phantasm in a comic. Uh, I I maybe outside of like there might be a panel you might find on the internet where they're around, but uh, yeah, they were created for this movie. Um, oh. just like because the animated series like to do that they like to kind of create their own characters that would end up kind of taking a life of their own like Harley Quinn or you could even just say Mr. Freeze because of how radically different he was mm. at the time mm -hmm. before this movie came in or before uh, you know the Heart of Ice episode I mean got it oh right on right on thank you for that yeah, I, I was kind of blown away. Like, um, I, I was like, wow, this this is a departure here, you know? Uh, Preferio, you're saying, like, this movie is, like, quintessential Batman. And it really is, you know, it's it's in the vein of the, the Batman we know and love. But this movie kind of throws his origin story upside down, right? Like... Never did I hear that, like, oh, Batman almost didn't become Batman because of this woman he was dating. <laughs> like, what? 
Like he he like in this movie, according to this movie, he would not have become Batman if their relationship worked out, right? And, and that was like that was a big curveball to me. Um, so pretty interesting stuff. Um, okay, but the movie itself. Uh, so I'm gonna go with three stars. Yes, a recommendation. And kind of like with Pinocchio, definitely there's a lot I enjoyed about it. Um, but there was also some stuff I had some issues with. Um, yeah, good stuff. Uh, Kevin Conroy, holy shit. Like, uh, he is a badass voice for Batman. Um, I did not watch the animated series. I had never seen this movie before. So I, I was completely new to Kevin Conroy. And I kind of know what the hype is all about now. He is great. He's a great voice for Bruce Wayne and certainly for Batman. And uh, equally awesome, maybe even more awesome, is Mark Hamill as the Joker. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, the laugh. Oh, his laugh as the Joker <laughs> is just fucking amazing. So great. Um Okay, so we, we talked a little bit about how this is a little more adult-oriented than you might expect. So I don't think I'm alone here, but it seems that uh, it's implied that Joker fucks his robot assistant <laughs> on the regular. Like that—that's like implied, right? I, I didn't—I didn't, I didn't uh, misread that, did I? Uh, but that's—I I definitely uh, laughed when when that moment happened um yeah mark hamill's great he he's just he, he he just like uh he goes all out like you know, like he's he's luke skywalker but like whatever i'm just gonna go like full joker and he, he just like he just delivers uh what else oh so uh i, I enjoy the story too i definitely enjoyed the story um Perfurio, you mentioned how uh, it's a bit complicated, you know, maybe too complicated for kids. I kind of dug that. Like, I was not expecting a lot of the, the twists that happened. Like, Christian, you saw this so long ago. Like, it's pro probably just a given to you now, all the plot twists. But, like, again, spoiler alert. When it is revealed that uh, Andrea Beaumont is the Phantasm, I was like, whoa, <laughs> what? <laughs> You know, I was definitely like surprised. I kind of felt stupid, but because it's like, oh, I, everyone knows that now. I bet, but I didn't know that. I was like legitimately surprised. Uh, so I, I I enjoyed the the complexity and all the plot twists. And uh, okay, so okay, and what 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 did I have a problem with? So I gotta say. This movie is older, right? I mean, it's 30 years old. It's the 30th anniversary. So I, I don't want to like shit on the animation too much. It, it's an old movie, right? But man, it was kind of hard to get through. And look, we all just watched Across the Spider-Verse. We just watched Pinocchio. Amazing visuals, right? Um, so maybe, maybe... <laughs> Maybe I'm just like I'm um, uh, I'm spoiled that way. And look, I'm an old school guy. I grew up with this stuff. I I grew up watching GI Joe and Transformers, but I don't know. I just felt it was lacking. And I, again, I don't want to I don't want to like shit on it too much because 
my understanding was that this movie wasn't meant to be a theatrical release. Like, I guess it turned out to be, but it, it wasn't meant to be like outside of your, your little like 90s TV screen, right? Um, that said, it just didn't look great. It looked dated and um, maybe not so much the uh like the background visuals and like the gotham city vibe like that was kind of cool like there's a minimalist thing going on um and like you're saying preferio um kind of kind of dark and and not as like um obnoxiously bright as like say x-men right um but the movements like the character movements uh it was just it was hard to get around you know it was I, you know, I, I, I've been hearing uh, what you had mentioned, Christian, how like for a lot of people, this is like the best Batman movie ever, period. Like counting the live action movies, counting the Nolan trilogy, all that stuff. Right. And I'm just watching and I'm like, I don't know, man, it, it the animation just kind of looks shitty to me. <laughs> you know, I got to be honest, got to be honest. Um, so I was not wowed. And I even tried to be like more objective about it. Like for the time, for the time, maybe it's kind of cool. But put to put it in context, I was thinking, well, there are animated movies of the era. Like, for example, um, Transformers, the movie and Akira. Those two movies preceded this one. Right. Those were 80s movies. And to this day. Both of those are like works of art. You could take a single cell and it's like frame it up. It's beautiful, right? Um, I don't have that same opinion with this one. So uh, it, it it took away from my experience. And, you know, I feel like it's it's kind of a cheap shot to, to go this route. But it's, it's my honest opinion. Uh, I felt the animation is is a bit lacking here um yeah i'll leave it at that i'm kind of rambling on here but uh that's my take on mask of the phantasm yeah no i i get i definitely get what you're saying and i definitely noticed that especially watching it this time that i was like "Ooh, that did not look good i think certain fights um look a little rougher on the edges um and I think whenever the movie has to do a lot of quick movements, it definitely struggles. I think there's definitely some shots I think still look pretty good when they really accentuate the moodiness of it. Like when you see kind of Batman come out of the shadows with his cape kind of draped over him and he's all blue. Or I think the movie does explosions really well for like, well, that's one thing I noticed is something I actually. I thought still looked pretty good was when they had explosions, especially at the very end of the movie when the amusement park blows up or the, I thought that that looked really good, but I think uh, any sort of fight sequence, uh, I was like, Oh, I noticed that that's, that's aged. And I think because this was made for TV, it definitely looks like it belongs on TV yeah. it, back in the nineties. Whereas uh, they probably didn't have the but they definitely didn't have the budget or the time to kind of give it that real theatrical look quite like uh, something you'd see like I think Aladdin came out around the same time as well but yeah Aladdin like Akira 
you know, especially when you look at those, those still hold up super well. Whereas yeah. I think with this one, a lot of the heavy lifting is done by the voice acting and the music. I really like the music in this one. The like choral opening as you kind of go through Gotham City. And a lot of the big music kind of really, I think that's what really kind of makes everything pop more than um, the animation, especially watching it nowadays. Right on, right on. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. So we're going to keep it moving, but uh, you know, uh, if any uh, ideas pop up along the way about Batman or Pinocchio or Zim, uh, we can, you know, we can cover them at the end also. So there will be time to discuss everything if there are additional thoughts. For now, let's keep it moving. Next up, Invader Zim. Enter the Florpus. Uh, this movie was made in 2019. And here's the synopsis from IMDb. Zim discovers his almighty leaders never had any intention of coming to Earth and he loses confidence in himself for the first time in his life, which is the big break his human nemesis, Dib, has been waiting for. Okay, so this one was my pick. And um, why did I choose the Invader Zim movie? <laughs> um, yeah, this is an interesting one. Uh, I had never seen the Invader Zim series. I had never read the Invader Zim comic book. And yet here I am recommending to the world this movie, uh, which I do give four stars and um, yeah, a little bit of background. So I am a parent. Uh, my son Simon is currently nine years old. And um, as a lot of parents can attest to, I have been exposed to a lot of children's programming and a lot of it, I dare say most of it is really bad. And um, this is the parent life. Uh, you are exposed to a lot of shit that you would never have wanted to watch. Otherwise, you know, um, I've seen a lot of uh, a lot more Paw Patrol and PJ masks, then I prefer. Um, so what I'm saying is uh, there's a lot of pretty unwatchable children's programming out there. So through the years, I've always been trying to find stuff that like I can kind of tolerate, you know? Uh, so I think I mentioned when we did the Super Mario Brothers episode, that I was sort of expecting that to be a, a shitty movie and I would just have to sh sit through like more bad kids programming, right? But that was a big pleasant surprise. Simon and I both really liked that movie. Um, so every once in a while, there's some gems in there. Um, you know, the Marvel stuff has been huge for me and Simon. Uh, we have a shared love for Marvel. Um but most of it is pretty few and far between. And then I came across this movie, Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus. And I had no idea what it was. I came across it on Netflix and I saw the little tile and I saw 
like the art of it and the artwork kind of drew me in. I was like, oh, this looks kind of cool. Put the trailer on and I was like, whoa, this looks pretty bonkers. Uh, this is worth this is worth at least like starting, right? Started it up and then uh both Simon and I watched it and we laughed our asses off for the full time, which is a pretty short runtime. It clocks in at 71 minutes, but we were laughing our asses off the whole time. Um why do I love this movie so much? I mean, yes, I think I yes, I think it's really funny, but you know, I don't really know. It's a really strange movie. Um I to this day, I'm I'm a little baffled by why I'm connecting with this movie so much. It is like a kid's movie. Like I looked at the ratings. So uh, just a little to, to give a little context. Uh, Pinocchio from 2022 is rated PG. Mask of the Phantasm 1993 is rated PG. This one is rated TVY7FV, which I'm not even sure what that is, but it's for kids, right? It is for kids. And um, yeah, why... Me as a middle-aged adult, am I so like into this movie? <laughs> like I'm, I'm still kind of processing it myself. Uh, so like what can I, what I can say is re it's really funny. I really dig the animation style and uh, the irreverence of it. I think maybe that's the key: the irreverence of this movie. Um, this movie just kind of, I don't know doesn't give a fuck it just it just goes there it's 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 like a it's it's like a wild dream um laid out in front of you um hard for me to to describe oh let me tell you uh a little bit of the backstory of the movie um the invaders m tv series was canceled way back in 2002 uh so Essentially, this movie was 17 years in the making. And I think that speaks to uh, the cult status of this movie. Um, essentially, the fans kept this franchise alive. The interest was like always there because it had this like cult following. Um, there was uh, this thing called InvaderCon. Uh, where the, it was like an actual Invader Zim convention that happened a few times, essentially between the series cancellation and before this movie. Um, so yeah, I think that the cult status of it uh, maybe helps describe my interest in the movie too, because yeah, I, it, I think it definitely falls under that like cult classic uh, category. Um so, okay, yeah, let me just finish with this. Uh, I, I, so I, part of it certainly is like uh, my shared interest in Invader Zim with my son. I think, yeah, of course there's a part of it because like we both enjoy it. Um, so that helps fuel uh, both of our, 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 the fun factor for both of us, right? Um, but, you know, more than that, I think objectively there's something else there Something else that I can't 100% put, um, you know, I can't, I can't place really, but 
all I can think of is that there are some things in this world that I I connect with, and sometimes just inexplicably, I'm just I'm just drawn to it. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and I remember after I watched that movie, I had a similar feel after watching this one. I I just I knew I I saw something that kind of gets me, and and is is sort of for me. Um, so that's maybe that's uh, that's my best description of this movie. This movie gets me, and uh, I love it so much. <laughs> and oh, uh, and and just lastly, um, what happened after Scott Pilgrim? It was a similar thing. Or after I saw the Scott Pilgrim movie, I was like craving more Scott Pilgrim content. So I like snatched up those comics right after I saw that movie. Similarly, after I saw Enter the Floor Piss, I was like, what is this? I need to see more. And I have since been watching the series and reading the comics. Um, so it's had that kind of effect on me. All right. Um, so, Perfurio, what's your take on this movie? Um, let's see. I would probably give this movie a four out of five. I, I think, um, you know, I grew up watching Invader Zim, the TV show. And it. I don't know why. Like you said, it's a very, like, weird type of humor kind of it's just it's so out there and so crazy um i don't know why as a kid i watched it but there was something about it that wasn't like anything else you saw in nickelodeon like like spongebob or rugrats or wild thornberries this was just like its own like unique like style and writing and animation you know, I think I feel like Invader Zim was just like ahead of its time for just doing shit that was outside of like this like normal box of what was acceptable for cartoons or whatever. Um, which is why I think it got canceled after two seasons, but then like still has like a major cult following like so many years later, I think like it just was ahead of its time. And so when the movie first came out, I was pretty fucking excited that they were going to make a movie. Like, cause I, like I said, I grew up with it and uh, it's, it's a, <laughs> it's a type of humor that if you're not instantly drawn to it, I don't think like it can warm up to you. Like it's either like, you like it or you don't like it, you know, I think. And so a lot of it, like, going to this movie was, like, nostalgia, like, oh, my gosh, Gurf and um, the human dude. What's the little, the oh, his Dib. name is his name? Dib. Dib. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dib and his sister. And I was just, like, I was just remembering, like, how they acted and stuff. I was like, oh, my gosh. This is, like, my childhood all over again. <laughs> and, like, it was just funny as hell. Like, Zim thinking, like, oh, like, I'm, like, the mastermind of, like, taking over Earth. And it's just so bonkers and ridiculous all over. I feel like, 
yeah, this was just really funny. Um, the only reason I guess I'm giving it like one star down is because I think, yeah, I know you said, Henry, that it was really short, like only like barely over an hour. Yeah. But I feel like this, this could have done as like just another episode, to be honest, <laughs> like another like 30 minute episode instead of a whole like movie. But you know what? I I'll take what I could get after all these years, like just or just re reboot the Invader Invader Zim TV show. Like I'll be happy with that. But it was totally fun, like revisiting this um, nostalgia, like early two thousands feel. It was made me a little kid again, and it was cute. Awesome. Okay, what about you, Christian? All right. So, um, I also watched Invader Zim as a kid. Um, I was there when it premiered. I remember what I was, um, it premiered in 2001. So I was nine years old at the time oh, when I first started watching so cool. Invader Zim. And I remember it was like, there was this like, it was Invader Zim and then the Fairly Odd Parents would be after. Oh, it yeah. might've been reversed, <laughs> but, um, I always remember watching those two together. They were, cause they always, uh, showed back to back. And like when I was a kid, I loved Invader Sim. I was a big fan. I watched every episode of that original run. I even had to look back and double check. And it's like, oh, wow, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> like, I loved it as a kid. Um, back when I was nine, ten, like. It was definitely nothing like I'd ever seen at the time. I think the way it blended sci-fi, like comedy, horror, and the fact that it like a lot of it kind of turned everything kind of to 11, you know, everything was like, it was like the comedy was given like this big sugar rush. And so I loved it as a kid. I was a, I was a big fan. Um, and I think, and of course it gets canceled in 2002. They would play reruns, but of course you, when you're that age, you kind of, you go on to the next thing very easily. And so uh, invaders did drop out a bit of my mind a bit until I kind of re but I would kind of revisit it every so often um, and come back to it because, you know, I have good memories of it as a kid. Um, but unfortunately I got to say that like um, each time I would revisit invader Zim, I would like it a little less. I think it's something that got me when I was a kid. Um, I think the way in charm, uh, the what you were talking about, Henry. How there's like something that there's something about it, the way everything kind of just comes together. You feel like it just gets you. It just kind of hits a certain funny bone that uh, like really comes together. And each time I would watch it, I I think that uh, it would just hit that funny bone a little less and less. I think that it, the elements would come, wouldn't come together the same way for me. I think, it, and it kind of would get a little more grating. The humor, like I said, the humor is very turned up to 11 and it's always so in your face with its jokes. It's like, you know, it feels like you, you get hit with like a new joke or a new reference, like every like second or half second. Um, And so, I watched this. This is probably the second time I've seen this movie. I watched it once during COVID when I was kind of in a, uh, I just for some reason really decided to kind of go back to a lot of uh, kid stuff that I liked. And this was one of them. 
And I think, uh, unfortunately, I think that watching the second time, it's like, I think I am reminded of like, oh yeah, this is why I'm not as big of a fan of this anymore. Um, unfortunately, I do got to give this movie a two out of five. Um, but I think, remember, there was a time in my life when I probably would have given a five. I think that the, uh, I will say starting off, the animation is pretty amazing in this, in this too. I really like the way they use the 2d animation. And I think a lot of the shots like look really, really good when they, when they have to go to a space section, there's a lot of movement that I think captures a lot of the humor like really well. And a lot of what makes invader Zim invader Zim is kind of heightened in enter the Florpus. And the film, like once it starts, it just never stops. And, but I, I will say like the humor, um, it involves a lot of screaming. I think characters are always yelling, I'm talking like this, you know, they're always <laughs> way over enunciating what they have to say, you know? And I think like, that was like, Oh God, Oh man. You know what? Like after a while of it, you know, it feels like it throws out something random a lot of the time. You know, why is Zim so obsessed with pudding and pudding, you know, giving Dib his right kind of pudding? You know, like you have a lot of little moments like that um, in in the movie. Um, why is Minnie Moose the crutch of everything? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so there's a lot of little moments. And so there's some moments that, you know, I will say there are some pretty good genuine laughs that 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 I got from this movie. I will say it's almost like every like one out of every 10th joke landed for me. But even then, because it's like, Oh, that's like one joke every 10 seconds, <laughs> you know? So it felt like not a lot landed, but it's still like kind of weirdly consistent because of how quick and snappy everything was. Um, like I do really like Gaz. I think she's a great character because she's probably the most down to earth out of everybody. Right. And I think provides a, a real nice contrast to Dib, uh, who's like very, very over the top, you know? Um, and I think I got a really good laugh out of her just like playing guitar during one of the big montages of Dib, like working out and training. Yes. I thought that was great. There's a nice, there's always like a little visual gag that gets me. Um, but like, so like I said, I have a lot of very conflicting feelings about invaders in as a whole as someone who's kind of been watching it. Um, but that's just kind of, I guess like you can kind of see how, how like how I've kind of changed over time over watching this kind of and, and like coming back to it. I never really read the comics um but that is a i think because it, i kept having the diminishing returns I, I never really went to that so maybe without the auditory and the over enunciation that i kind of found a bit grating maybe that would be a better avenue in a way you know but at the same time that like I, I think you guys were also getting to a lot of it uh, with like the way it kind of gets you, it's almost like a for you guys. It's really greater than the sum of its parts. There's like a sense of charm to it that is very infectious, you know. 
charm while also like kind of a grossness. You know, the way it depicts Earth is super gross. And like people are like brain dead in this, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the world of Invader Zim. Like people are so unbelievably stupid. <laughs> and so yeah. there's like, it feels like there's a bit of satire to it, you know. And and so uh, there is, I do see why, why the cult of Invader Zim exists. I see why there was a ZipCon. And, it, you know, even though it's not for me, I can't help but kind of root for it, you know. So two out of five, but I guess I will I'll leave it at that. That's that's my little take mm -hmm. on Invader Zim as a whole, really. Very nice. Very good. Honest take, Christian. And I get it. Like, I, I was I was almost expecting a, a, a take along these lines from one of you because um it does feel like this movie and yeah, the show as well is really like either you get it or you don't. And it's just sort of like it, it, it can differ from one person to another, or like you're saying um, uh, one person at a certain age versus that same person at a different age, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, that, that's why I'm, I'm really uh, surprised that, I really I'm really drawn to this because you know uh this movie is a Nickelodeon creation and you know I the, the it was created with like kind of an edgy cult thing in mind but ultimately it was meant for like I don't know like a 5 to 15 year old boy demographic essentially so yeah it makes sense that you know as a 9 year old boy you you're loving it Christian but why am I digging this so much right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of it, I, yeah, like I said, is you know my own son's interested in it, um, but there's definitely objectively something I'm drawn to here, and that it just that fascinates me. And even on your end, Perverio, like you're you're saying you're enjoying it from a nostalgia uh, angle, uh, so I get that too, of course. But yeah, I, I continue to be surprised at myself <laughs> for being drawn in so much here I, I did have just a couple other thoughts here um with my rave uh with my uh rave uh review of this movie like the question might be why not a five um i do view this movie as a bit of a i don't know guilty pleasure empty calories sort of thing like this is kids pro programming but don't get it twisted like, I don't necessarily advocate, like, having your kid watch this show because it's not like they're going to learn some great life lesson. Like, that's not Invader Zim, is it? <laughs> Invader Zim is gross. And it's like, I almost look at it as, like, a young boy's brain just exploded onto a TV screen. <laughs> like there are robots and aliens and farts and poop. And it just like, there's a, there's so much in invader Zim that like a, like a young boy is thinking about all the time. Right. Like um, invader Zim's leaders are the almighty tallest. Right. So interestingly, Simon had a phase he's still kind of in that phase but he's obsessed with people's heights so if you're really tall like he is like just sort of in awe of people who are tall so 
um, he's always asking like, oh, how, how tall are you? Just going up to random strangers, asking them, how tall are you? So th- this is like stuff that is on young boys' minds, right? Um, so th- there's something pretty interesting there. Um, and last little bit, uh, like Kristen, you were talking about how like everyone's talking really loud and I agree. There's there's a lot of yelling in this movie, and there's there's just a lot of the stuff in this movie that normally I'd be like, like what is this? Like this is like, like this is uh, this is kind of like the the hallmark of a bad movie. Like everyone's yelling and it's loud and it's all over the place. Uh, like another thing along those lines is like the first act of this movie. Essentially, nothing happens. Right, Invader Zim returns to earth and he like lays out his his like master plan to to dib who is like who is like uh like connected to his chair i guess his chair dib very weird uh but zim was like uh phase one of my plan was just to wait and it worked because now you're like all out of shape and you're stuck to your chair right and he was just sitting in his toilet for like who knows how long maybe years right and then he's like, and then phase two. And then he fucking can't remember what phase two was. And while he can't remember, Dib like gets back into shape. So like the first full act of this movie, literally nothing happens. There is no forward moving of the narrative. Just nothing. And like, you know, sometimes I dissect, you know, um, what makes for good movies and what doesn't good screenwriting, bad screenwriting. And this is like, this is kind of a sign of like a bad script, like the first act of a movie where nothing happens. How, how, how does that work? And inexplicably for some, I guess <laughs> this movie does work. And it is just a wild, wild, wild ride. Uh, so that's Invader Zim. Uh, so we can get to wrapping up. Maybe we can just talk about all these, all three of these movies as a whole and i don't know just some uh parting comments thoughts as we uh wind things down here um i guess i'll start because i i seem to have like noticed a theme and uh, each one each one of things i've said about how these movies may meant something different to me or these franchises pinocchio invaders in batman all meant to something to me at a certain age. I'm coming back to them as an adult, um, my thirties, and then thinking about how I might think of them later. I think uh, Masculine Phantasm, uh, the movie I picked, was something I really didn't care for much as a kid, but now I really like it. You know, and I think um, I come back to this a lot. I love animation. And so I th- there's something about, I think, the quality of animation, the fact that it's not quite, a li- you know, it's not like live action. So there's a lot of your own kind of personal meaning that you ascribe to it. You know, there's something, there's a bit of yourself, you, there, you like imprint on animation more so than live action, you know, because not all, it's not real. It's, it's, there's a lot of style to it. There's a lot of style injected into it. And so, uh, these all of these have left a, a, a like 
an impression on me. And I definitely remember my time watching Pinocchio as a kid. I remember watching these movies, you know, now, of course. But, and I think these are all something I'm probably going to end up looking back on and revisiting later because that's just the power of animation. It just kind of imprints on you in, in a very different way. Um, and who knows, maybe I'll think very different of all three of these um, years from now. And so it's it's kind of like a part with you that you grow up with, but you never really grow up with because it's always with you. Well said. I like that. I like that a lot. And uh, I had thoughts along the same line. And that's, you know, with animation. Yeah, there is. I don't know, a, a slightly more personal feel to it with live action. You know, I think there's a bit of separation. You see like a real person playing a character, a whole bunch of real people playing characters. Uh, so I think there's there's a bit of of a divide there. But uh, when you're watching animation, in particular animation that you're connecting with, um there's there's like i think there's a closer bond right because there isn't like a real person you're looking at or like i don't know you, you can't feel like oh i'm like i'm like that character um because well that that's just an actor and he's just playing a role it's, it's not real and that person's not me, right? But I think it's 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 less of a jump when you're looking at like an animated character and um, you're feeling like, oh, I can, you know, identify with this character more or just have more of like a personal journey. And I feel like with these movies, yeah, I, I can feel it. Like all three of us connected in different ways uh, with these movies. And I think the animation aspect is a big part of that. Uh, any last thoughts, Perfirio? Yeah, I just want to say really fast, like, I really love that we all chose, like, three different animation styles. Yes. Um, you know, like, mine was stop motion, Christian's was, like, a very, like, dark setting environment, and then yours is, like, just totally, like, 2D, like, bright kind of colors. And I think... I mean, you know, it's one thing to see it as a kid and just, like, like and enjoy this as cartoons, you know? But I feel like as you grow more mature, you kind of appreciate, like, these different types of forms of animations, like, that there's not, like, one set style or, like, correct style doing animation. Um you know, like like you said, like Henry, I think like at the beginning of the episode, like two of the biggest animation movies are Mario and Across the Spider-Verse. And those can be like, those are like two different like animation films as well, even compared to these ones, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I just love that there's like this like so like array of animation films that we can watch and appreciate. And I think that's why, like, like generally, like I like gravitated to a different like appreciation to each of these three, you know, like 
it's one thing one thing to say like oh the music is good the storyline is good but then also to say like whether or not the animation is good is like that's a whole nother like aspect uh, that I think is really beautiful you know yeah yeah that's a great point too like um animation is an art form in itself right so yeah yet another um you know aspect of a movie you can really appreciate okay hey so i did have a comics pick related here so uh i'm gonna give it right now invader zim so i had mentioned I am reading Invader Zim comics right now. And this is pretty cool because with the Invader Zim movie, the Invader Zim TV series, and the Invader Zim comics, they all are the same look, feel, and vibe. Uh, so if you do love the movie, uh, I recommend the show and the comics too. Uh, so let's see. There were a there was a 50 issue run of invader zim comics i haven't run them all uh, but i have gone through the first i think 16 issues or so and they're all great uh particularly like the first few so i i'll my recommendation is um uh, volume one uh, the first trade uh, issues one through five and there's a reason why uh the the show the movie and the comics all kind of feel the same it's because the creator of zim jonan vasquez is involved in all three um he among others is a writer of the comics uh and uh for these first five issues illustrator is aaron alexovich um really cool art just like the show and just like the movie and um yeah it has the same irreverent humor and um same insanity <laughs> that we saw in into the Thorpus. um and uh i will add too that uh this first uh, volume of zim is actually um what the movie was adapted from essentially um the 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 comics run starts with kind of what i was talking about earlier uh the chair dib and zim's phase one and all that um, so it's kind of cool. You can actually see uh, the the origins of the movie. Like so those early comics, uh, the early issues of the comics uh, were adapted into the movie. So, um, yeah, if you like the movie, then I highly recommend comics, especially these uh, these uh, early issues. Yeah. So check it out. And with that. We can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry, Christian, and Perferio.